Hello, it's Paul Scott here for part two of my weekend podcast on 22nd of July 2023. Now, as you probably know, in part two, I just run through uh, some interesting macro markets stuff that I've spotted during the week, which I regurgitate and sometimes give an opinion on. So not an expert on economics. I'm just more of a generalist. So um, firstly, there's some interesting snippets on the supermarkets. And I picked up uh, a lot of this, I think, from Ian King's uh, podcast on Sky, which is very good, his business podcast. Uh, Sometimes a bit long-winded, but normally I like to go out and about a fair bit and I put headphones on. I love listening to podcasts and audiobooks. And Ian King's one is very useful. Lots of interesting snippets in there. So on the supermarkets... um, Tesco is looking to buy more freeholds, and apparently it already owns 60% of its uh, 4,800 stores. It owns the for Tesco already owns the freehold of 60% of its stores. I was really surprised at that. So with that asset backing, I might look again at Tesco shares. I know I did, and I also saw that Sainsbury's acquired 432 million of freeholds, 21 sites, bought them back from the supermarket REIT that it had previously sold them to. So that's quite interesting, isn't it? The supermarkets, those particular Sainsbury's and Tesco's are now wanting to go back down the freehold property route again. Whereas, of course, you had exactly the opposite with Asda's and Morrison's, which had leveraged buyouts that they're probably now seriously regretting, the interest rates have shot up, are doing the opposite. They're having to do sale and lease back on their properties to try and deal with problem levels of bank debt. So it'll be interesting to see if Asda and Morrison's end up going under if the debt eventually, uh, you know, the, the holding company go, might go under, but obviously the business would continue operating due to excessive debt um and i think leverage buyouts generally looks uh looks like the next shoe to fall isn't it is that the right right saying the next domino to fall or whatever uh with higher interest rates leverage you know highly leveraged property and buyout people could be we could see failures there i think now terrible results from ocado again ocdo um five billion market cap why why it's never made any money I think it's I think it's it's an unbelievable the share literally unbelievable the share price of Ocado. And the shares went they put out these awful figures and the, and the and the and the shares went up. So I don't know. And I looked at its balance sheet and basically all of Ocado's cash pile has come from super cheap bonds. So kudos to the FD there who who borrowed a ton of money when it was incredibly cheap at fixed rate. But I think that that twenty twenty five could be the crunch date for its liquidity um, <clears throat> when those bonds or, or some of the bonds will need refinancing. Will Ocado ever become a viable business? I can't see any sign of it myself. OK, so that ticks off three lines on the list. Oh, and there was also an interesting report from the CMA, the Competition and Markets Authority. Uh, now, the there was a lady on, I think it was on Ian King, King's podcast again from the CMA, who I thought was very good, very interesting what she was saying about their, they've done an investigation to ascertain whether the British supermarket, UK supermarkets are profiteering. And the CMA, obviously an independent body, has said that actually no, they're not. And its conclusion uh, pointed out that the profitability in the sector Operating profits, operating margins have dropped from 3.2% to 1.8%. So that's pretty, uh, pretty. Um, you know, you can't argue with that, can you? So they're making less money, so they're not profiteering at, at all. 
is the conclusion. Uh, although the supermarkets have said that because their costs have been increasing faster than their revenues, that they are, um, you know, they've not been able to pass on all of their higher costs to the consumers, but they are looking to rebuild margins going forwards, uh, which is not unreasonable, in my view. If you're only making a 1.8% off operating margin, you're going to try and increase that, aren't you? Obviously, it's our, it's a game of cat and mouse, isn't it? It's our, it's our job as customers to resist price rises and not buy things if they put the prices up. And the farmers are saying, I know I read somewhere, apparently the price being paid by the supermarkets for milk is unrealistically low and the farmers need higher prices. Again, it all balances up, doesn't it? Supply and demand. So, yeah, quite interesting. The FT podcast is another one I really like. It's only 10 minutes, which is great, because they just rattle through a few points. Uh, now, they were talking about China, saying that China is now facing deflation because consumers are reigning in their spending, price, so prices are falling, and uh, property developers are in big trouble and need refinancing. So, um, yeah, so that could be interesting. So China could actually start helping the West by exporting deflation to us uh well not not helping us reduce our inflation rather if the chinese factory gate prices of all these consumer goods we buy from them start to come down so uh again another good reason to think that uk inflation could just follow everyone else's countries downwards i certainly think that's i've always thought that was the case i can't see any structural reason at all why british inflation would be higher than sustainably higher than other similar countries um so uh yeah i think and we saw the first glimmer of good news on inflation this week of course with the june figure i think in the uk coming in uh, ahead of uh, below rather economists expectations which has triggered um, some nice positive energy in the in the markets a very interesting webinar this week which i think is available online from fundamental asset management um uh, uh chris boxall and Stephen Drabwell's outfit that I have very high regard for. They're great guys, very skillful stock pickers, and they run a, a small fund management company, Fundamental Asset Management, that specialises in IHT planning, inheritance tax planning, um, building AIM portfolios. Now, they were pointing out that the, the news about possibly the Tories pro- possibly scrapping IHT uh, could be pretty bad for AIM. Um, because, you know, a fair bit of money holding AIM shares is probably for IHT purposes. But they also point out that it would almost certainly be be repealed by an incoming Labour government. So do we really need to worry about that uh, effect on AIM? I think probably not. Other than that, I really enjoyed the webinar. So thanks, Chris and Stephen. It was very, very interesting. Another interesting snippet from Ian King's podcast. He said an Accenture report on business confidence, uh, said that business confidence in the UK was unusually high, the second highest in Europe um, after Ireland, which was number one. So I thought that was very interesting. And there was another survey saying that eight out of ten British companies are planning on increasing their hiring of staff in the the next year. So some actually rather uh, positive, forward-looking survey results there i haven't looked into how they correlate to um 
to markets or to the economy. So that obviously is a fairly key point. But I just wanted to flag those up, potentially interesting. Uh, This is quite amusing. A reminder that broker forecasts are the company's forecasts. I've always said that because John MacArthur of Traxis told us that at a fascinating talk he gave to a group of investors that I assembled in Brighton where I was living at the time. Uh, This would have been about 10 years ago, I think. And anyway, he said exactly that. He said this idea that, you know, the, the, their independent research by, by the brokers is utter nonsense. They're the company's forecasts. Uh, it's just the way it has to be set up. They're, everyone pretends they're independent. Anyway, we got further confirmation of that this week from a company webinar. I won't say which ones. I don't want to embarrass any individuals. But the CFO started saying, now, what we've done with our forecasts, uh, uh, FinCap's forecasts. <laughs> I thought that was brilliant. Lovely slip of the tongue there. I'm surprised it wasn't edited out, actually, but it was, uh, it was, it, that amused me. What else have we got? Oh, yeah, now I've covered that. Right. Um, ten-year gilts, UK ten-year gilts, which a lot of us are, are following. Um, <clears throat> we're looking to get alarmingly high. I think when it's much over 4%, that's when things start to worry. Because if you remember, it was when it soared to about 4.5% around the time of the mini-budget. That's what triggered that meltdown in the derivatives affecting the the pensions sector which hopefully has now got its house in order um but it really seems to be anything over four and a half percent on the 10-year gilt seems to be where systematic systemic problems start to appear anyway and it had gone slightly over four and a half percent anyway the inflation read being um bad but but not as you know better than expected this week has brought down the 10-year gilt to 4.27 percent so that's feeling a bit more comfortable i think now, on the UK consumer confidence numbers, this comes from GFK, very widely followed um, indicator. This is bad news, I'm afraid. The index for July has just come out, and it's down 6 to minus 30. Uh, it had been steadily improving every month. I mean, to put that into perspective, it's only gone back to, I think, where it was three months ago. Um, so it's still, you know, when you zoom out, the trend is still very much for consumer confidence improving, but quite a, a sharp setback in July. Uh, people are seeing their um, personal financial situation over the next 12 months had got almost a flat. It was minus one in June, which is amazing. But there we are. It's dropped from minus one to minus seven. So that seems to be the main indicator. And people are very negative about the overall overall economic situation, as you'd expect, with all the bad news about. That's dropped worsened from minus 54 to minus 58. But it's interesting, I think, that people are still relatively sanguine about their own personal finances. You know, minus 58 for the general economy, minus 7 for their personal finances. And those are both... Oh, no, sorry. No, 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 I've read that wrong. The general economic situation, oh dear, no, it's sorry, it's not minus 58, that was the last 12 months. It's minus 33, the general economic situation, looking forwards. Sorry, made a bit of a hash of that, but anyway, it doesn't matter. Bottom line, the overall index has dropped from minus 24 to minus 30, so a significant setback there on consumer confidence. So you could argue that these these hikes in interest rate are, are, are definitely harming some people's consumer sentiment anyway. Now, I wanted to talk to you about Andrex. You remember how many hundreds of millions or billions have they spent over the years convincing us using uh, shameful exploitation of puppies 
um, pulling uh, very strong, long, and very, very wrong is how <laughs> I was going to change their uh, advertising slogan to. I think they've destroyed their brand because what they're doing is they're doing shrinkflation. I bought a packet of six Andrex in my subconscious after all those many, many years of looking at the lovely uh, um, puppies frolicking around in, in, in reams of toilet paper. I, uh, I I had a, a perception of this as being um, a good quality brand. Well, anyway, it's not anymore. The product's rubbish. I just bought a six-pack, which they is instead of a nine-pack, they've reduced the size of the pack, and it's it's no better than Aldi or Little own brand. It's the same, you know, the quality's gone right down. So they've wasted all that money and all those puppies on the advertising. So I think companies need to be very careful about brand damage. And in the case of Andrex, they've blown it, I think. Now, uh, better than expected retail sales. Oh, this, I think, was a... Yes, I was looking at this last night. This was data from the ONS. Um, Yeah, just that. Better than expected in June. Um, Retail sales. So that was quite positive. As I said in the other podcast, looking at markets as a whole... I actually think we've seen the low, or we're at or near the low, for this bear market in small caps. It's just a feeling. I'm seeing some really strong rebounds in lots of interesting companies. Have you looked at Somero Enterprises, for example? That just put in a blistering rebound. The whole, uh, all the house builders have shot up. You know, and the thing is, if you're not in these stocks, you can miss a 20% rebound um, very easily. And if that rebound holds. You'll then see a second wave of buying at some stage, maybe in a few weeks or months. And before you know it, you know, you're sitting on the sidelines in cash. You've missed a 30, 35 percent rally. And it's often, you know, the early stage of a, of, a, of a new bull market where you can make some spectacular gains, I think. And the people in cash, I think, tend to deny that it's a new bull run. And they sit on the sidelines saying this shouldn't be happening, this shouldn't be happening. And they miss out on a lot of the gains. So I think people who are brave and who take the step of going into, you know, decent businesses where you know they're trading okay, the shares are dirt cheap. I'm finding so many bargains at the moment. They're too good to turn away. So um, I think, yeah, I think we're going into a new bull market now. Uh, Just a feeling. um, But I've been doing this for 25 years now. And, you know, sometimes... You do get that, oh, something's changed type of feeling. And I could be wrong. might be another bear market rally. I don't know. And obviously it does depend what, what, what the policymakers do, doesn't it? We really do need to see clear signs that they're going to stop hiking rates. Because I think it's, you know, it's very finely balanced now. I think any more significant uh, interest rate rises, and we're going to get plunged into recession, aren't we, for sure. But I think if they just say, well, actually, the medicine's working now, we can we can pause. That's what I think they need to do. To, to, to my mind, you know, inflation is clear. The, the scene is set now for inflation to come down strongly already. The Bank of England have said that themselves in their last uh, meeting notes. And the effect of the existing interest rate hikes, very f- rapid, very aggressive interest rate, we haven't seen the full effect because it takes up to 18 months for that to feed through. So I think surely common sense will prevail um, with these central banks and they need to hold fire. And I think we need to look again at the whole structure. You know, just having these completely unaccountable people making making decisions that affect 
in some cases very severely affect people's lives I think uh, needs to be looked at again it needs to be divorced in some way from from the, the main government decision make, make makers but I'm not convinced the current setup is right I think maybe it needs a tighter structure and a more balanced objectives you know we, we don't just defeating inflation at all costs is too narrow I think but anyway that's a conversation for another day isn't it so overall then really same messages every week we're not out of the woods yet in terms of macro by any means um, but things are holding up okay and um, overall and um, most of the companies we look at are reporting in line updates valuations are so cheap now in small caps that I think um, I think it's it, the value is too good to just ignore. I think this is the time to get stuck in and to to really put some money to work uh, for people who are on the sidelines. But that's entirely up to you. Obviously, you've got to make the decision. But um, I'm very happy to be fully invested, and I'm really happy with the stocks I'm holding. Personally, I think a lot of them could be worth fifty to one hundred percent more than the current prices. In once the economy's straightened out, which it always does. You know, the economic problems are always transitory. And, you know, it's surprising the amount of resilience there is out there. Um, and the, the, the super gloomy uh, ideas uh, are correct every sort of seven or eight, nine years or whatever, aren't they? But uh, actually, people who are super gloomy are usually wrong most of the time. So uh, I think cautious optimism because because small caps are such good value now. Really nice companies uh, uh, lots and lots and lots of them every week I'm finding three to five companies that I really want to buy as always though I don't have enough cash to, to buy into the ones um, I want to buy anyway look that that's it really uh, nothing more to say I think this is the start of a new bull market and uh, we'll see whether I'm right or not okay have a great week bye for now thanks for listening bye